So um, two weeks ago, I preached on what it means, uh, one of the why series. It was the last in our why series, why, are, why do we focus on fellowship? And during that particular sermon, I, I, I talked about uh, membership, church membership. And I explained that, you know, really the, the way we define membership or the term member for a church really doesn't fit well because member makes you think of things like Costco membership or signing up for class pass or something like that. Really what church membership is, is something very different. It is much more like being affirmed as a citizen of the kingdom of God by an embassy, which is the church, an embassy established by our king, our father in heaven. See, the local church is an outpost. It's an embassy for us as refugees or a refuge for us because we are currently in a foreign land. This world is not our home. I, I remind you of this and I mention this because 2019, as we've mentioned in the past, for some of you who are newer uh, may not realize, it was a rough year for Church of the Beloved. Not as bad for a lot of the folks in Wicker Park. Actually, Wicker Park, the past two and a half years have been a little rough. There's been a lot of upheaval and a lot of instability here. And uh, as a result, I've been having some conversations with just a few individuals who have decided that Church of the Beloved is no longer the fellowship of believers that they can commit to. Um, or, and that, and, and that the, the leaders of this church are no longer the ones that they can submit to as their local embassy. And I understand it. It's due to the trauma that they've experienced. There's a lot of pain that they've had to deal with. And these have been excessively hard conversations. Not because, you know, they're only because they're leaving. It's because of why they're leaving. The pain that they've gone through, the hurt, it just breaks my heart. It's been difficult. But I understand their decision. I, I, I get it. And so in these conversations that I've been having, I've been essentially, you know, for lack of a better term, I've been releasing them from their membership. Um, and I've been asking just one thing of them, that they not stop being a part of a fellowship of believers, not stop being part of a local embassy, a church where they can continue to be encouraged and where they can encourage others in the gospel of Christ. But today what I want to talk about is for those of you here uh, and those of you who are listening to this message uh, online or through the podcast who have continued to commit to Church of the Beloved here, especially at Wicker Park, to this assembly of believers, to this embassy, this outpost of Christ, I come to you with a desire, a, my heart's desire, my passion, which is that we all together might renew our spiritual commitment to God and to each other. And this concept, this idea is something that we were discussing a few months ago, the pastors and the elders and I, we gather together overnight and we spend some time just sitting and praying and considering how are we called to shepherd and guide the Church of the Beloved Campus Churches, the network here, um, to live out our mission as a church because our mission does not change. Our mission is still the same. We exist. The Church of the Beloved exists to, to see the gospel transform people into spirit-filled disciples who know that they are the beloved 
of God because of Christ alone. That is absolutely our desire and intent as a church. And over the past few years, as I understand it, Church of the Beloved has done everything they can to make sure people understand how beloved they are by God. And this is such an essential and important fact, and we never intend to forget this. We are beloved by God. Absolutely. But for the next five years, we really decided that what we want to focus on is that first half, which is that other half, which is that we want to build up spirit-filled disciples. And, and we want to build up spirit-filled disciples by helping people know God and in, individually discover their mission, as it says on the screen right there. In other words, the Church of the Beloved is going to work towards equipping people to have a daily walk with Jesus, and we're going to work towards empowering each other to live out what God has called us to live out, our mission in this world. So a few weeks ago, we introduced this five-year vision to our members at the members' retreat. Uh, for those of you who are there, you saw the video. Uh, a couple of days ago, um, we had an email sent out to everyone who's a regular attender of Church of the Beloved that included a video to that vision and explanation. And if you did not get that email, again, as I mentioned earlier, check your spam folder. I, it might be there. If it's not there, talk to us. We'll get you on the email list. But we would really like for you to be able to get those emails because we do send information out that way. But this is what happened. We pastors decided after we shared at the retreat and after spending so much time understanding who we are as a church and, and coming through the process of scripturally understanding why we're called to, to focus on this vision, that we need to spend a few weeks talking about it uh, to, from the pulpit to our congregations. And so that's why for the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at the two parts of our vision for the church, our five-year focus. Um, so today, we're going to look at what we mean, biblically speaking, when we say that we want, the, we want to equip people to have a daily walk with Jesus. And next week, we're going to look at what we mean, biblically speaking, uh, when we want to empower people to live out their mission and their calling. Today, we want to do it based partially on Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 4 to 8. And thank you very much, Katz, for reading that for us. But I'm going to, not that you didn't do an awesome job, but I want to read it again because it's such a beautiful passage. It's one of my favorite ones. It's called the Shema in Hebrew. Uh, and Shema has a longer story about that. But anyway, verse 4 starts out, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. In my heart, for, as a campus pastor for the Church of the Blood here in Wicker Park, my heart, and it's the heart of the pastors and elders throughout the network of Church of the Beloved. My heart belongs to you all. Well, actually, no. First, my heart belongs to my wife, Suzette. And then my heart belongs to all of you, every single one of you here. Because you guys are my priority after Suzette. Don't worry. You're absolutely first, hon. Um, but you see, I understand God has given me an amazing responsibility and an amazing privilege and an amazing opportunity to shepherd to teach and to love all of you here 
at Church of the Beloved in Wicker Park. And I, and I want to exercise that passion to you by encouraging every single one of you here, including myself, to know God more. <coughs> Sorry. And we want to do this by making sure that every one of us here in this place places this truth that was read in Deuteronomy in our hearts. We want the truth of the gospel to be taught and talked every single moment of our lives. We want to, when we're sitting at home or at a cafe, when we're going to work by car, by train, or by foot, or by e-scooter, when we're going to sleep at night, when we're waking up in the morning, every single moment, we want the truth of the gospel to be there in our lives. Knowing God means spending time with God. And not just here in church, not just in your small groups, but every single moment of every day of every life. <clears throat> Sorry for coughing into the mic. When my wife and I, we started uh, first dating back in the year 2000, um, which is a while ago, I guess, we, we were literally strangers to each other. We, had, we were introduced by a friend of hers who happened to meet me once, and for some unknown reason thought that Suzette would fall for an overweight, long-haired, hippie-type guy who happened to play guitar, uh, smoke way too much, and uh, I drive a motorcycle, and I was a social worker. So she thought, oh, that's, that's perfect for her friend. And so we intro got introduced, and I'll tell you, it's a story for another day, but the beginning was really awkward. Um, but over time, we just spent every moment we could with each other every waking moment, except when we're at work, we're always together just talking to each other, and we, whether it's on the phone, uh, sitting in the car, even writing letters to each other, because back then, personal email and texting just were not a thing just yet. But we spent every moment with each other because we understood that's how we got to know each other. It's such a simple formula because ultimately time equals knowledge. And this is the formula that God's pointing out to us right now. Time equals knowledge. Spend time with me. So when we say that we want to equip people to have a daily walk with Jesus, what we're practically saying is that we want to give our congregations, like here at Wicker Park, South Loop, downtown, we want to give our congregations a tool that will help us spend time with God in Scripture every single day. We want God in his beauty and his glory in his majesty to become known to every single person in this place. So our focus, one of our focuses for the next five years, our vision, is to encourage and equip the congregations of the beloved church to know God by spending time in the Word of God daily. We want everyone in this place to engage in the thoughtful and careful reading of God's inspired words. It's a pretty simple concept, but let me explain to you how we came to this idea and this decision as a church leadership. And this is for those of you who might be more data nerds, you know, stats, wonks type of people. It's a, um, it's a very interesting study that was done. It's by an organization called the Center for Bible Engagement. They started the study out with 40,000 Americans, Christian and non-Christian. I'm really going to focus on some of the things they found among the thousands of Christians that they actually surveyed. If you're interested in learning more about this study uh, after I share some of the details, you can search for it online, just Center for Bible Engagement, and in quotes, Power of Four. And one of the things this study found is that 
over 50% of young adults, so like everybody in this room, half of you, would not be able to name where Jesus was born. Over 50%. You know, when I was looking, I was like, I bet the 50% that could was either Moody or Wheaton graduates. I hope. Um, 93% of those Americans proclaim that they owned a Bible. The average American home owns four Bibles. Our home has 16 Bibles. Um, And if you don't have four, we have more in the back that you can take home to increase the number of Bibles you have in your home if you like. But see, when we ask those same people how many of you engage in reading the Bible at least once a week, it was two out of five. When you ask more, it went down precipitously. That same survey when it started looking at those who reported engaging in Scripture, whether it's reading it or listening to it, four or more times a week, you saw a significant change, an exponential impact. So those people, for some reason, that number four times a week became a magic number in many ways because you would see that the odds of engaging in sex outside the context of marriage, it went down 68%. Using pornography went down 61%. Gambling went down 74%. Basically, that four times a week just seemed to be this number, a minimum number where you could really start seeing the scripture really impacting the lives of the people who are reading it. The other interesting thing was this. For those who reported reading scripture not at all, when compared to people who are reading scripture one to three times a week, they looked exactly the same. But if you read the scripture four or more times a week, suddenly you were over 200% more likely to share the gospel. You were over 200% more likely to disciple one another. You were 400%, over 400% more likely to actually memorize scripture, which that one's kind of obvious because you can't memorize stuff that you don't read. But basically the idea was that there is a true impact, practically speaking, when you're reading scripture. There was a survey done a few years back at Church of the Beloved as well. And in that survey, it found that nearly 80% of our church reported not engaging in Scripture on a regular basis. So when we gathered together as pastors and elders and we considered, we know, and now we have statistical evidence, reading the Bible makes a difference. And we saw that For Church of the Beloved, there was absolutely a gap in regards to reading the Bible. And we can see, scripturally speaking, there is good reason even and and commands to read scripture. So it just makes sense for us to focus on this for the next few years. We wanted to, as pastors, be able to enable men and women of the Church of the Beloved to engage in scripture on a daily basis. In order for us to become spirit-filled disciples of God, we need to know God. And we need to know God by spending time with God, getting to know God through the reading of his book, of his love letter to us. It's a pretty simple message. And so what I want to do right now is understand that, you know, time equals knowledge. Spending time with God in the word is great. I want to look at the benefits of doing it. I want to talk about some, not all of them, just a few of the benefits that the scripture shows for engaging in scripture. 
what it looks like if we are to go into the Bible on a daily basis, or at least four times a week. Whether it's Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, Tuesday through Saturday, at least four times a week, diving into Scripture, what the benefits could be. And then I want to end just talking about, practically speaking, what we might be doing in equipping our congregations in diving into the Scripture. So let's look at the first one. I'm going to be jumping around in the Bible for a bit. And I want to start with uh, the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 19, verse 7 and 8, it says this. The law of the Lord is perfect. Speaking of the Bible, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, and the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You see, reading scripture ultimately, it rejuvenates the reader. I get that sometimes it can be very hard to pick up this book, to open it up and to read it because it seems boring, it seems disconnected, irrelevant to our lives today. It's such an old book. It's, it, it's culturally, it seems so dis distant from who we are today. But here's the thing. The truth is that God promises that wherever you are in your life, the Word of God will revive you. See, when your heart feels dull, when your eyes feel clouded, when your body feels weary, God's love letter to you will bring you joy. It will bring you rejuvenation. It's like going to your mailbox, opening it up and seeing, oh my gosh, there's a real letter in there from a real person. Hey, joy. Or forgetting that you ordered something from Amazon and showing up at home and suddenly there's a box on your stoop and like, oh good, present, joy. It's, this is the joy that God promises when you open this book up and spend time in his word. This, this letter causes rejoicing in one's heart, especially in mine. Now, the second verse I want to look at here is in Psalms 119, verse 105, and it says here, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the reading of scripture, it radiates the reader's path. I'll be honest with you. Pastor James, who's our teaching pastor, he, we call him the king of alliteration. And alliteration, if you don't know what it is, is basically when you have the, the first letter of a series of words all be the same. And he can make alliterative ideas flow without even thinking about it. And so we all try to mimic him in many ways. And so I was like, okay, the first letter starts with an R, uh, rejuvenates. I need another R word for lights your path. And the only thing I could think of was, you know, rejuvenates radiates, but now I think of like chemotherapy. It's just, it doesn't work well. But ultimately what I'm trying to point out is that the Bible provides a light. It illuminates who, his reality. It provides a light we need to walk down the path that we are living in now on this earth. There was a, 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 a I can't remember when it was. It was a long time ago. But uh, I went I think it was in North Carolina, to visit a cave. And I don't know if you've ever been in a cave underground, I mean, like, real cave. Uh, and we went in, and the guide, I remember she said to hold on to this rope. And all of a sudden, without much warning, she turned off the light. And this is when I experienced, for the first time, true darkness. I mean, darkness. Like, 
Eyes closed, eyes open, no difference whatsoever. And if you've ever been in a situation like that, all you will realize is that your heart, you can hear it. Because it started pumping. I started freaking out a little bit. I think I would have truly lost it if it weren't for the fact that everyone around me, I could hear them and I could hear them starting to lose it as well. Because that darkness is creepy. And suddenly I saw a light, a tiny little light. I think she had a pen light because she was also in the darkness, so she couldn't figure out where the light switch was, even though she just turned it off. And suddenly this little pen light gives a little spot of hope. And everyone's clinging to that hope, and you see it climbing up the wall, trying to find that light switch. She finds it, turns it on, and you could hear an audible sigh of relief as the light came on. Basically, this reading of scripture, like this light in this cave, the reading of scripture, it radiates, it lights up the path that we need to walk in this world, in this dark, dark world. It provides us hope. It provides us direction. Scripture provides us confidence. In the first earlier psalm, it makes the simple wise. It enlightens eyes. It's reading the word of God radiates the reader's path. The last benefit I want to talk about, like I said, there's a lot more if we were to go deeper into this, but the, the last benefit I really want to talk about is that reading scripture ultimately reveals the writer, the true author of the Bible. Acts chapter 26, verse 18, Paul is telling his conversion story to King Agrippa. King Agrippa was the Herodian king uh, of Judah. Anyway, he's telling this conversion story. Paul is now explaining to King Agrippa that the gospel message is intended to, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, in Jesus. See, reading scripture... Reading the God-breathed words written by spirit-inspired authors, it reveals the true nature, the true character, the love of God for each and every one of us here. It reveals the reality of our redemption through Christ alone. Reading scripture opens the door to faith the only door to salvation. You know, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. In his testimony to King Agrippa, the apostle Paul is explaining that God's supernatural work done in his life was a result of the word, the word of God, Christ infiltrating his life. It is through hearing and through the reading of the word of God that one grows as a spirit-filled disciple of God. The Bible opens up our eyes to Jesus. And a daily walk with Jesus draws us closer to our Savior. You know, there's, uh, for some of you, you know this already. I, I have a day job that I uh, do. Is I work in the software industry. Uh, and part of my responsibilities, I'm also in charge of our customer success, our customer satisfaction department. And there's an acronym, and hopefully I don't offend anyone in, with this acronym, but there's an acronym often used in the industry, especially when it comes to dealing with clients. It's RTFM. Um, and if you're not, don't, are not familiar with the acronym, RTFM stands for Read the Flippin' Manual. 
Um, and basically, when I think about, when I was preparing for this, this acronym came into my mind, not with the F, but RTM or RTB. Read the book. See, Jesus is saying, I wrote a book for you. There's a book. There's answers to the questions you have in my book. Read my book. Just read the book. I want to share two verses before we get into the practical application of this week's message. And, and I love these two verses. The first one is in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 21. It says this, The Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4, as Paul wrote, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Our vision as a church for the next five years is to equip our congregation, is to equip you here to have a daily walk with Jesus by, by engaging with Scripture on a regular, on a daily basis because it rejuvenates your soul. It radiates your path and ultimately it reveals the true author of Scripture. See, our vision is to bring the church to the truth of the gospel because God gave us a book. It's a good book. And God is telling us, read my book. You know, God revealed himself to Samuel through words. God promises to use words to help us perceive insights into the mystery of Christ with words. And we want everyone to engage in those words, into the careful and thoughtful reading of God's inspired message through his inspired authors in this book. Like I mentioned, it's pretty simple. Um, the idea behind it is simple, but doing it is kind of hard. There's this uh, pastor from the 1800s. His name is J.C. Ryle, or I think it's John Charles Ryle. He said this, I'm going to read this quote to you. He says, do not think you are getting no good from the Bible merely because you do not see that good day by day. The greatest effects are by no means those which make the most noise and are most easily observed. The greatest effects are often silent, quiet, and hard to detect at the time they are being produced. Think of the influence of the moon upon the earth and of the air upon the human lungs. Remember, how silently the dew falls and how imperceptibly the grass grows. There, there may be far more doing than you think in your soul by your Bible reading. So practically speaking, I get it. We all get it. Sometimes it's just really hard to dedicate yourself to spending time in the Bible because you don't see the immediate impact of reading Scripture. It's hard to maintain the spiritual discipline, this practice. We need to build up spiritual muscles to be able to engage in this on a regular basis. And I, and I acknowledge wholly that it is a challenge. It's hard at times. But just like Leroy's electric chair would just die if he didn't plug it in every once in a while. And just like your phone would be a useless paperweight if you didn't plug it in once in a while and get some charge into it, you need scripture to get that charge in you. You need this to be able to grow in your faithfulness and love for God every single day. Now, I also get 
and I've said this before, one size in our church absolutely does not fit all. If I were to continue on using that, uh, that charging analogy, you know, it's, it's like we as a church, some of us are North American plugs, some of us are European plugs, some of us are Asian plugs, some of us are South African plugs. If you're a South African plug, it's impossible to find any kind of adapter to deal with your whole charging scenario. But here's the thing. We as a church want to find out all kinds and have a multi-prong adapter that will help each and every one of you get the charge that you need to spend time in Scripture on a regular basis. So I, I, I get it. One size does not fit all. I, I, there's... I was looking at the different ways that we could spend uh, engaging and enabling and equipping our congregation in Scripture. And we've done quite a few already. So me, personally, I love the Scripture journals. The, The Scripture journals that we have been using for the book of Mark, which we will be going back to in a couple weeks, for those of you who are interested. But I just, I got a bunch of colored pens, and I spend time every day just diving into every single passage, verse, word and just diving into it and taking notes. I love that. But that's not for everyone. A few years ago, my wife and I uh, learned about the, the this, uh, Bible reading app. I think it's called uh, Read Scripture. And it uses in partnership uh, videos made by the, uh, what's it called? Um, Thank you, the Bible Project videos. And they're beautiful videos. They're amazing videos because they, they help engage and tie together the understanding that the Old and New Testament are all a unified story pointing to Jesus as our Savior, as the Christ, as the Messiah. It's awesome. It helped us read the Bible in a year. But that's not for everyone. I'd learned of a new, another app uh, it's called Streetlights, and I downloaded it. It uses rap and spoken word to read scripture, and it uses artists like Propaganda and Moral One. I just wanted to say their names because I kind of feel cooler saying them. I have no idea who they are. I heard Moral One is impressive. But it uses a different genre of reading so that it can engage people in the reading of scripture. And that's not for everyone. Uh, we've also learned, and people have suggested other ways, like using a different translation. You know, uh, there is one translation that I, I was recently introduced to called the Passion, uh, to read scripture. So it feels like you're reading something different. Or, 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 or listening to musical versions of scripture, things that are uh, artists like uh, Sons of Korah or Shane and Shane. But that's not for everyone. So, Our mission as a church has not changed. We exist. We exist to see the gospel transform people into spirit-filled disciples who know they are the beloved of God through Christ alone. And we want to do this. We want to create spirit-filled disciples by focusing on a vision for the next few years, the next five years as a church that equips the beloved of God to engage daily in a, walking with Jesus in the, in the scripture, reading the gospel. But we get that the... I was suddenly, okay, sorry. And I'm just going to speak a little louder, so be careful, A.V. guys. We... ...of our condition going to require a little bit of variety. Because one size does not fit all. We get that. 
So this is the challenge to you as part of this church. This is my call out for all of you here in this place. Will you help? Help us equip each other so that we can together as a congregation engage in Scripture. See, every single one of us has things that we have tried that have worked or have failed. Share those ideas. Bring them to the table. Every single one of us probably has a friend who has done something that's worked for them or failed. Bring those to the table. Through your small groups, through your ministry leaders, our goal now is to provide resources to give us ideas, to spark each other, to encourage one another, to engage in Scripture every single day because Scripture rejuvenates. It radiates our path. It reveals the true author and writer of the book of of the Bible. And we want to encourage every single one of us. If you're not in a small group, we'll get you in one. Come talk to me. Come talk to Otua. Talk to us. We'll get you connected to a small group. If you're not in a ministry, talk to us. We'll get you involved in a ministry. Welcome ministry, fellowship. uh, I mean, the lunch ministry. Everyone's looking for different folks to get involved. Every single ministry leader is going to be involved in this process. That's why we're doing that leadership summit. Because we understand the benefit and the importance of engaging in Scripture every single day because we want to grow as a church that knows God by spending time with God every single day. There's a... uh, I've mentioned Wheaton and I've mentioned Moody. Uh, And for those of you who are not aware of either school, let me just mention D.L. Moody. Dwight Moody, he's an evangelist from a long time ago, helped establish the Moody Bible Institute and the church in downtown. He's a really amazing guy, uh, and I've actually been a fan of his for quite some time. He, He once said this. He said, the Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. Church of the Beloved in Wicker Park, we want to help keep you from sin. And we want to help you grow in your devotion to the Almighty. We want the Word of God, as it says in Deuteronomy, to be bound to your hands, to be bound to your hearts, to to be bound to your eyes, to your minds. This is our goal. This is our vision. This is part one of our vision for the next five years. We're going to talk about part two next week. Will you pray with me?